Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Amen. It is good to know I'm saved. Amen. Well, uh, the word amen in the Bible uh, is often used, and when it is, it means so be it. I agree. Right? You're right. That's what amen means. You're right. You're, you're on track. You're correct. I agree. I'm with you. We are in agreement. Amen? Uh, when the Bible says, Jesus is the amen, by the way. Uh, and the reason, one of the reasons, there's many reasons why you could say he is, but the reason he is particularly is because he is always in agreement with his Father. 100% of the time, amen. That, that Jesus' life is an amen to the will of his Father. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we're not going to have any special singing like we normally would this morning. Instead, uh, we're going to, you're all going to be the special singing. Amen. We're going to sing. I want you to grab a songbook, this one. Uh, turn to page 268. Um, when we were able to go this weekend to the meeting, uh, the Lord really spoke to my heart about one thing in particular. Uh, yesterday morning, it wasn't really a preacher that preached. Brother Mark Stroud stood and did some exhorting for about 15 or so minutes. And then he, he just called the singers back up, and they sang some more, and we worshiped the Lord. Um, my uncle Tony got up, and he's moderating the service. And I mean, I don't know how many people were there, Brother Tim, maybe 800 people. I mean, it's a large crowd. And he is very uncomfortable up there. And he usually feels like he's, you know, he's been doing that. He's been the pastor there for, I don't know, 15 years plus. And he said, I'm just uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. He said, because I'm so overwhelmed right now with just how the knowledge that God is so good to us and we do not deserve the goodness of God. That it is overwhelming when we can understand that God is so good to us in spite of us. And that when we are not overwhelmed by the goodness of God, it's because we've reached a place where we think we deserve the goodness of God. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. I'm in church. I'm doing better. And so when God is good to me, I'm not surprised. And he made this statement. It really struck a chord with my heart. He said, we're more surprised when God doesn't show up than we are when he is. When he does, what a sad state to be in. To think, well, I'm going to be at church this morning, so God's automatically going to speak to me. He's automatically going to bless me. We should never reach a place where we are not amazed by how good God is to us. We should be amazed that God would bless us with families. This morning in Sunday school, Brother Tim asked the question about whether, you know, as a parent, have you ever gone into the bedroom or something while your children are sleeping and looked at them and think, wow, Look at the goodness of God in my life. I was holding Link the other day in church, and, and he was sleeping, and, and somebody was talking about how good God is, and I was just holding my son in my arms, and I thought, God, look how good you've been to me. How good it is to know that no matter what's going on out in that world, I have a God who is real. Amen. I, I mean, I've got a real God who I can place my trust in, that no matter what state I'm in in this life, when when, I, when I'm in a valley or if I'm in a mountain or if things are going smooth or if, I'm, if my life is going like this, that I can trust in my God and rest in Him. What a wonderful and amazing thing to know it is that I serve a living God who is real. Not a form of godliness. I do not serve the Baptist faith, even though I'm glad to be a Baptist. I do not deserve a form of religion or a path of religion or, or some thought in my mind. I serve a true and living God who has been way better to me than I have ever deserved. Amen. We ought never stop being amazed at how good God's been to us. So let's turn to page 268. Is that what I told you? We're going to sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Because here's the thing. Oftentimes I find people get to a place of praise more easily 
in the valley than they do on the mountain. Have you noticed that? There's something about us that when we enter into a time of trials and sufferings, that we turn to God. But then when things start to smooth over, we, we turn less and less to God, right? That's not the way God wants it. What He wants is He wants us to praise Him all the day long. So this morning, whether you are in a valley and you're looking ahead going, God, I'm not sure what's going to happen next, or if you're on the mountaintop and God is blessing you and, and you're not really facing a great trial in your life and you're in a good place, no matter where you are this morning, if you're saved, say amen. amen. <clears throat> if you're saved, let's praise the Lord together. We're going to sing this song. Miss Brandy, if you would go ahead and give me a G chord so I kind of know where I'm going. All right, just follow up. We're going to sing a cappella, and we're going to sing all four of these verses. And I want you to think about them, okay? Don't let, don't, let, don't let your mind wander. Think about the Lord and how sweet it is to know that we can trust Him. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest Upon His promise, just to know, <clears throat> thus saith the Lord. Sing out, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. That part of that chorus said, I've proved Him or and or. You know what that means? Again and again in my life, when I've turned to Him and saying, Lord, I'm just going to have to trust You, He's proved that I could. Amen. Verse 2. <clears throat> oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust His cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing. Sing verse 3 with me. Yes, tis sweet, amen, to trust in Jesus just from sin and self to see. Sing out. Just from Jesus simply taking life. There it is. And rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Let's all stand. We're going to sing this last verse together. When we do, <clears throat> we come to that last chorus. I want you to sing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. Amen? Because we want to lift our praise to Him. Amen. Don't sing to me. Sing to Him. This verse says, I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee. And that's talking to our Lord because I'm going to tell you right now, I have learned that whatever state I'm in, I can trust Him. So let's sing to Him this morning. We'll sing to uh, Jesus, how I trust you on that last chorus. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know, I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust You, how I proved you o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, 
Oh, for grace to trust you more. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that we can trust you. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a faithful God. Lord, that when we are unfaithful, you are all the more faithful. God, Lord, that you are there in the good times and the bad, that you are good all the time. God, Lord, no matter what we may face in this life, Lord, there is a consistent truth throughout your word, one to which we can cling and never let go, and that is God is faithful. God is true. Lord, we can trust you. Uh, there's nothing that you cannot do, and there is, there is, uh, there is no uh, variableness in you, Lord, no shadow of turning. God, I pray this morning, Lord, as we look your way, God, as we look toward the cross and we consider ourselves and we consider your son that died for us, God, that we remember this truth. It is so sweet to know that we can trust in Jesus. I love you. Bless this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 3. I hope that you're worshiping the Lord in your heart this morning. I hope that you'll have a mind and a heart that is toward him, that it will acknowledge him, that will lift him up, and that will glorify him. Can I tell you, the Lord wants his children to lift him up in their hearts. The Bible says, teaches that God will inhabit the praises of his people. And it is necessary, it's not just good, it is necessary for a child of God, if they want to have a fulfilled Christian life, to have worship. Amen. Worship is when you lower yourself and lift up your God. And praise is when we lift up our God with our voice, we lift Him up with song, we lift Him up with our lives, say, well, I'm not much of a singer. Oh, amen. Then you might ought to pick up more testifying. Say, I'm not much of a testifier. Well, you might ought to pick up more singing. Because the Bible tells us that we must praise Him with our lips. And it is required that we give Him the sacrifice of our lips, the Bible says, continually. And can I tell you, when I get about praising the Lord, you know what I find? He inhabits that praise. And when I'm praising Him, I want to praise Him. You know I want to praise Him because He's so good. Because He deserves to be praised. And this ain't my message. I promise I'll get there in a second. But He deserves for us to praise Him. You know what I find, Brother Tim? When I praise Him, you know what He does? He blesses me. When I get to talking about how good God has been, and the tears come to my eyes, and I feel the Spirit of God welling up inside of me, it strengthens me. It does. It picks me up when I'm low. Brother Tim, when I'm, when I'm low, and Brother Joe, when I go to the Lord and I pray, and I, I'm sad, and I'm down, and I'm low, and I begin to pray, and I say, God, in spite of what I'm going through, God, thank you for being good to me. You know what happens? He lifts me up. When I praise Him, He lifts me. What a good God we have. Amen. Amen. It is good to know I'm saved. I hope that you know you're saved this morning. John chapter 3. We've been in John chapter 3 now for a while. I believe, uh, I won't make a promise, but I believe I'm going to wrap up this series of sermons this morning. I have had a title to all these lessons. I don't don't know that I've I've ever stated it, but at the top of, of my outlines for each of these messages, I've had in big bold letters, the most important lesson ever taught. Because this man came to the Lord Jesus and the Lord said, Art thou a master of the Jews? He was of the Pharisees. You know what he was? In a lot of ways, he was a teacher. He was an educated man, this man Nicodemus. And he came there to the Lord and he said, We know that you are a, you called him a rabbi. He said, We know you're a teacher. You know, we know that you're a a man sent from God. We know that uh, no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And he was talking to him from a place of a position of power and authority. At the very least, he was placing himself on the same level as Jesus. I believe he may have been placing himself slightly more above. Uh, Nicodemus was likely older than what he appeared, what the Lord Jesus appeared to be. Of course, we know he was timeless, but Nicodemus didn't know that coming in there. <clears throat> but he's come to him, he's talking to him, and what he did not, I believe, realize when he came in is that the Lord Jesus was going to teach him some things he had never heard, some things he did not know. And it was, a, I believe, the most important lesson ever taught, and it is a lesson that we have been trying to learn these last few Sunday mornings about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Brother Eddie White preached at the camp meeting this weekend. He preached on John 3.16. Brother Tim, I think in Sunday school you were talking about, he said Tom Brady, some people were saying Tom Brady is the goat. Brother Eddie, now a lot of y'all know what that means, he's the goat. If you know what that means, raise your hand. Quite a few of you know what that means. 
Um, Brother Eddie, he's, he's, I don't know, upper 50s, maybe even lower 60s. I'm not sure how old he is. I don't want to say. How old is he? Upper 50s. Okay, well, I'm glad you all know. Amen. Somebody does. But he was preaching, and he said his son Levi's there, who's a pastor now. He's a little younger than me, I think. And he was in the car with his son Levi, and he asked him, why does everybody say Tom Brady is the goat? Now, first of all, Tom Brady's not the goat, and don't come at me after church. Amen. But why does everybody say Tom Brady is the goat? And he said, well, that's greatest of all time, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. They're saying he's the best quarterback who ever lived. And Brother Eddie took umbrage with the statement, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, because there's only one who's the greatest of all time, and that's the Lord Jesus. Now, he said, well, he's the greatest at his position. Well, let's give him a couple years. Let's give him 5 or 10, 15, 20 years, and we'll take a look at him and see if he looks like the greatest of all time. Brother, Brother Eddie mentioned Terry Bradshaw, how his body had changed. That the truth is, he might have been the greatest in his moment, but that moment was over. That there's no moment in time when our God is not the greatest there's ever been. There's no time when his strength and might and power and love will diminish, but that he will always be the greatest thing there ever is, and that John 3.16 is the crux of what makes our God so great. You know what makes him such a great God? That he loves us. Brother Mark Stroud, who preached, sort of preached, exhorted yesterday morning, he made the statement, the greatest verse in all the Bible is in Romans. I believe it's chapter 8, verse 5. I could have it backwards. Sometimes I get 5 and the 8's mixed. Is it 5, 8? Okay. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, John 3, 16 is telling us the same thing. God loved the world, a world full of sinners, so much that he gave the best thing he had to give, his only begotten son. Last week we looked there at verse number 18 and 19. We talked, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. We looked at those two choices given, really from verse 16 down through verse number 19, how that God has given every man a choice, and that choice is to believe or not to believe. And that if we believe in Christ, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've done, you can be saved. But that if you refuse to believe in Christ, there's nothing you can do to escape condemnation. That man condemns his own heart, his own life, his own eternity when he rejects the jewel of heaven, the light of the world. Verse, I told you in this passage, I think last week, there were really three dichotomies presented. First is the two childbirths in verse 1 through 8. You must be born again, born of the water, born of the Spirit. And then we saw two choices in, in verse 16, 17, 18, how do we choose to believe or to not believe. But today I want to look at the last couple of verses here. I want to show you two categories of humanity in verses 9 through verse number 21. 19, excuse me, verse 19 through 21. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world... And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Let me just pause and say this. The only reason anyone would ever love darkness rather than the light who is Jesus Christ is because they don't know Him like I know Him. Verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. For he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. If you're reading there in your Bible, you see with me, if, if your Bible's like mine, and it has those red letters, they end with verse number 21. We turn there, the last part of the chapter, to John the Baptist, and there's a lot of great things said there. But, but today, this is the end, if we would, of, of the words of Christ, the words of the Lord here to Nicodemus. Now, there are some who want to take these words out of the mouth of the Lord and put them into the mouth of John. But I happen to believe the whole Bible is written by the Lord, so it don't really matter what they think. Amen? Now, the fact of the matter stands that this is a great, incredible, and powerful truth. And the Lord is showing us how that there are, when it comes right down to it, only two categories of people. There is no gray area. Now, the world would have you insert a gray area so that you can have a middle ground. In fact, there are whole religions who have dedicated their lives to that, really, Catholicism is all about who's stuck in the middle. Praying them out. Amen. They're stuck in the middle and we're trying to get it all worked out. But when we come to the Lord Jesus' teaching, here's what He said. There's only two choices. And there's only two categories. 
In those two categories, he breaks them down in verse number 20, verse number 21. The first category that we see is we, I want you to see first the detesting of the hateful. They are categorized by their actions toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The detesting of the hateful is present in verse number 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So first, the Lord speaks of the hateful, He calls them. He said, those that hate the light. Now, you ever look at somebody and say, man, they're just hateful. Right? When we use that word, what we mean is they're, they're rude, they're mean, right? Negative, critical. Can't, don't ever have a good word to say about anybody else, right? That they're, they have become identified by their hatefulness. Well, Jesus isn't just talking about somebody who's rude or, or hateful and, 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 you know, unpleasant. We'll use that word. He's talking about someone who actively hates the light. We see their actions. Here's what he said, first part. Every, for everyone that doeth evil. Doeth implies they are acting out something. What are they acting out? What are they doing? They are doing evil. That's what they're doing. That word evil, if you look at it, you'll find that it is translated from the Greek word phallos, which is only in the Bible that I can find four different times. And this word evil in this context, it doesn't just mean bad things, but rather uh, the evil it is referring to easy, ordinary, worthless of no account. In other words, it means that their works are without worth. It means what they're doing, what they do, is worthless. Amen? Amen. Anyone who would raise their hand against the Lord, you know what they're doing? They're wasting their time. It's a story that's already been written. Those who hate Him and battle Him and go against Him, when it comes down to the end of the day, it's not going to gain them anything. They feel like they need to win, but the truth is, they can't. All they can do is lose. It is a worthless thing. Secondly, it means that they're doing things that are ethically bad, base, and wicked. That is to say, that their works are of evil intent, action, and outcome. They are actively performing those things which would bring about the destruction of their flesh, the destruction of their friends, and even their futures. James chapter 3, verse 14, uh, we're told that those who live in envy and strife bring about confusion and every evil work. Look at it with me. He said, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Now, let me, let me pause there for just a second on that word devilish. You know what that means? Of the devil. Right? You ever heard it said you're never more like Satan than when you're... Anybody know what it is? Selfish. That's all Satan is. Satan could not care less about a single being outside of himself. He loves himself more than he loves God. I will exalt myself above. He said, amen, that's him. I will be like the Most High. Me, 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 me. I, 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 that's devil. And when you are all about me and why aren't I getting what I deserve, you know what you're doing? You're doing evil, sensual, earthly, devilish works. That's what envying and strifes are. Envying is I deserve better. I deserve what they have. I want what they have. Why can't I have? Amen. It's me. Me, 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 me. That is envy. He said when you dwell and you live and, and you have bitter envying and strife, and he said this, in your hearts. Now let me pause and say this. Not everyone who has envy and strife in their hearts is expressing it outwardly. Amen. Now if you are expressing it outwardly, you've obviously got it in your heart. That's a fact. It's the things that come out from our heart that defile us. Jesus said but there's some who in their hearts, they look at everyone and all they have is envy and strife and they're always mad at somebody and they're always upset about something. And it's just, I mean, they're always one second away from being one day away from quitting church. Amen. Because they have envy and strife in their heart and they're just ready to uh, just get mad at this one and lash out at that one. You know why? Because they are working evil works. And the evil works are works that lift up me and not that lift up God. Here's what James said. He said, the wisdom, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. It's earthly, by the way, if you go listen to the wisdom of the world, you know what they'll tell you? You be you, live for you, 
Live your truth, your joy, your happiness, and don't worry about anybody else. That's earthly, sensual, and devilish. It does not ascend, descend from God. Verse 16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You know what that tells me? When we allow bitterness, envy, and strife in our hearts, it will increase into more ungodliness. Their actions were actions of evil. James said confusion and every evil work. That confusion tells us that their works cause disorder, instability, tumult, commotion. It means that their evil works are stirring up more evil. These are the people the Lord is describing in verse number 20 when He said, everyone that doeth evil. Then we see not only their actions, we see their animosity. He said there in our, in our passage, in our text, He said, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. They don't just not like the light. They don't just stay away from the light, although we'll see that they do that next. They hate it. I mean, they are offended by the existence of the light. It's not enough that they do evil, but they hate it. And by the way, you say, well, what's the light? Well, we know, according to John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that Jesus is the light. He's the light of life, and that light came into all men. That's Him. He is the light. When Jesus said, ye are the light of the world, He was saying, it's me and you that's the light of the world. Amen. Jesus is that light. And thus do we understand that if Jesus is the light, here's what he's saying, they hate. He's saying they hate me. Later he told them, he said, they will not hate you unless they hated me first. You know what he said? Those that do evil, they hate the light. That's the Lord Jesus. They hate Jesus? Yes. They may say with their lips that they do not. But when they hate everything that he did and everything that he stands for, they hate him. Because he is truth. He does not tell the truth. He is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what he said? He is the truth. So when they hate the truth, they hate him. This word hate in this verse is more than just dislike. If you look at that Greek word miseo used here, it, is, it means to pursue with hatred. It's more than just I hate them, I don't like them. It means, it implies that their hate is more than an emotion. It is the motivation of animosity that drives them to their evil action. They do evil because they hate Him. And they hate Him because they do evil. They're trapped in a cycle of wickedness. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 18. The man, the father, speaking to his son, he said, And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. That's who the Lord's describing. They are running to mischief. They love evil works. Sin. They love it. Chapter 15, verse 22, if I, and Jesus said this, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. No, Jesus said, I've not done anything to hurt them. I've done nothing to earn their hatred. All Jesus has said is, come unto me. Believe and live. Comparing there to that serpent on the brass, that brass serpent on the pole, he said, look and live. Believe and live. Look on me. Believe and live. Put your faith in me and you can live forever. And they hated him for that. And he said, because they've hated me, they've hated my father. They hate the light so much that it drives them to a place of persecution, of action against the very God of heaven, on an effort to shut themselves off of His light. Because of their hatred, they run to mischief, and the Lord did nothing to deserve their hatred. We see their animosity. Then we see their avoidance, where it says this. It said, Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Their avoidance. They avoid Him. They avoided His truth. They avoided the things He was preaching to them. They didn't want to hear it. You know why Nicodemus is the only one of the Pharisees there? Because nobody else wanted to hear what he had to say. The things, the things He could do for them, the, the truth of who He was, they did not want it. They did not want Him. I, I, I believe there were many of those Pharisees who, who knew He was the Son of God. But they were filled with their father, the devil. 
that Satan literally used them to turn them and hate the light. I mean, when the Son of God looks at you and he tells them that y'all don't know me, you don't know my father, but you know the devil, oh, that's a bad sign. Because he probably knows. He could probably see the demons all over them. It's a bad way to be. They didn't want him. They kept their distance. And today, in the day in which we live, people are doing the same thing. Do you know why? you know why they keep their distance from him? What is, what is the Lord talking about them hating? He says they hate the what? Light. They hateth the light. Now the Bible tells us, I believe it's in Romans, that everything that manifests is light. Which means we come in here at night. You ever walked in here at night with all the lights off? It's creepy. Amen. You turn on, you walk in, you can't see anything, you're stumbling around. Nowadays, you'll, you'll, you might pull out your phone and flip on that flashlight button and shine it around and look around. And the truth is, you can't see. You ever watch a scary movie and somebody goes into the house and you know there's, a, there's someone bad or something bad in the house and they walk around and they don't turn the lights on? I'll tell you that's stupid. If you ever sense danger and you're in the dark, get as much light as you can. Amen? Flip on the lights. Step number one, 101. First, turn on the lights. Amen. Because when you turn on the lights, you can see things for what they really are. They hate the light. They don't approach Him. They don't come to Him. They hate the light. They won't come to the light. Why? Because they don't want to see what they, the way things truly are. They like things the way they are. They're comfortable in darkness. John chapter 1 verse 9 said, That was the true light. Capital O was talking about the Lord Jesus, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to be around Him. Why? Because of their apprehension. This is, what, this is it. They were apprehensive and afraid that something was going to happen. They were afraid if they got near the light, something, Brother Tim, would happen. What's going to happen? Lest his deeds should be reproved. Why do they hate the light? He died for them. He's standing there with his arms wide open saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Believe and live. I have come that you might have life more abundantly, Right? I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I've loved you. My father's loved you. We love you. That's his message. That's the truth. Why don't they want to come near him? Lest their deeds should be reproved. Why don't they want... But why, do you, why, why do criminals do their, their business, their evil works at night? It's harder to see. Harder to see them. Harder to see what they're up to. Harder to see what they're doing. They want to hide. They want it to be in secret, right? They don't want to come to the light because they're afraid if they do, the truth of what they are doing will be revealed for what it really is. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Have we ever seen it worse? when men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Look at this. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They're afraid the light will shine on their deeds and their evil deeds, which we just read here, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that these evil deeds that they're doing will be revealed for what they are, when what they would much rather do is they'd much rather hang back in the dark so they can do what their flesh wants, nobody see. But what they don't realize is God does see. God sees quite well. There is nothing that is hidden from His sight. Young people, children, let me, let me give you some encouragement here. One of the sins listed in that is disobedient to parents. Do you know why? Because rebellion is an attribute of Satan, not of God. A child who will not be obedient to a godly parent is acting more like the devil than they are like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a dangerous way to be. 
Everybody talks about how teenagers, well, teenagers, they're just, you know, they're just rebellious. That's just how they are. No, that's how Satan is. Amen. Well, you know, that's in them. Amen. There is foolishness bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. But the works of evil are the works of Satan. Bless God, I'm a rebel. Well, when you say that, and you're saying, well, I'm just a disobedient sort of person. Well, you're more like the devil than you are anybody else. Because that's what he is identified as, a rebel. Amen. Now, the world likes to make the rebel the good guy. Any of y'all like Star Wars? Amen. Thank you, brother, for not leaving me out to dry right there. I like Star Wars. My dad grew up on Star Wars. I remember my dad had a big plastic Darth Vader helmet that you opened up, and it had all the toys lined up, and he collected a bunch of them. Tragically, they burnt in a fire. My grandparents' house burnt down many years ago. Those would be worth some dollars today, and I'll just tell you, it'd be nice to have them. But we grew up on Star Wars and all that stuff. In Star Wars, you know who the good guys? The rebels. And by the way, I'm not saying Star Wars is evil. Y'all going, Brother Paul said Star Wars is the devil. That ain't what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. The world magnifies the rebel. And here's what the Bible says. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To obey, to be submissive, that is the spirit of the light. The spirit of darkness is, I'll never submit. I'll never kneel. I'll never obey. Bless God, I'll do it like I want. Well, that's why they live in the darkness. Are y'all still with me this morning? There are two categories of people in the Bible that Jesus is talking about in this passage. One are those who hate the light. They are identified by the fact that the last thing they would ever want to do is have God shine a light on them and show them the things that need to be fixed. Yesterday morning at the men's conference, I don't mention a lot of that, but it's all in my head and my heart, so y'all, pray for, y'all just go with me here. Brother Tim Floor, pastors in Florida, he's preaching on the spirit of Jehu. And he made this statement, and I wrote it down, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. He said this, he said, when we are spending all of our time looking at the faults of others, we experience pride. Amen? When we spend our time looking at all the faults of others, we feel prideful. Well, look at what they're doing. Well, the reason we're looking down on them for what they're doing is because we're looking up on ourselves. It's prideful. But when we spend our time looking at the things in us that are wrong, we experience humility. Do you know why those men and those women who hate the light avoid it? They neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved, because they've got no interest in seeing what's wrong with them. Beware a man, beware a woman, who will not receive correction. I've been studying a thought on this, and I may preach it sometime, but let me tell you this. There's a man in the Old Testament whom God gave some directions, and he was too... Not headed to understand him. His name was Balaam. Y'all know the story. He went to God, asked him if he should go curse Israel. God said no. And then because they offered more money, he said, well, God, how about now? And God said, oh, you know, you do. You, all right, go ahead. And you know, you know what saved him? A donkey. Whose mouth God opened and said, I'm trying to help you. And if that man of God, who we're, we're led to believe at the time, was some sort of man of God, I mean, God's speaking to him, right? was corrected by a donkey, then God can send whoever He wants to correct you. Amen? Amen. They don't want to be corrected. Proverbs 5 said this, verse 12, they say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. What was it that made them almost in all evil? That they hated instruction and despise reproof. If the number one reaction that you have to someone showing you something in your life that is wrong, like the preacher, standing up and reading the Word of God, you say, why has that preacher got a hit on that thing? Well, it's probably because the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something. And if you'll listen, if you'll accept the light, then you... but people say, I don't want the light. You know why? I'd rather live in the darkness, do what I want. Here's the problem. When they hate the light, they have condemned themselves. Right? Those sinners who refuse to come to the Lord, they refuse to admit their sin, they refuse to get right in what they've done, they said, that's fine, I'll go to hell. That's why you got rock and rollers joking, saying, hey, I'll see you in hell. Right? Because they have embraced darkness, they have embraced darkness, and they have rejected light. Amen. Those are the sort of people that a lot of our young people are idolizing, and you wonder why preachers preach against that stuff. Because they love darkness, and reject the light. 
they're, can you guess which category they're in here? There is another category. There's those whose detesting is for the light. They hate the light. That's the detesting of the hateful. Let me give you the desire of the truthful in verse 21. We see their actions. It said this. Verse 20, we see those. They, they doeth evil, it said. Verse 21, but he that doeth truth, he said. They that doeth truth. Those are those who doeth truth. That means that their actions are determined by what is true, not by what they want. Let me say that again. Those that do with truth, their actions are determined by what is true and not by what they want. In other words, these are they which live their lives according to the truth. Now, I told you before, who is the truth? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they, do, they live their lives according to the instruction, the teaching, the, the, the actual truth of Jesus Christ. That means they live their lives according to the Word of God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we've heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Amen. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. His actions, the action of, the, of this, we're looking at the desire of the truthful. First, their actions are that they do the truth. They live their lives according to what is true. And that means they live their lives according to this. They don't live their lives according to the Book of Mormon. They don't live their lives according to the teachings of one man over here or one man over there or one preacher over there or one uh, speaker over there, or this motivational guy, or whatever. They live their lives according to one thing, and that's this right here. This is the guide by which their lives are, are lived and by which their lives are judged. And they doeth truth. Amen. Not only do we see their actions, but we see their approach. It said this, they doeth truth there in verse number 21. But then it says this, it said, they cometh, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. That is the opposite of the others, right? It said they cometh not... But these, they cometh to the light. They are coming to the Lord. They're approaching the Lord. Now, now listen to this. I, I, I'm, I'm coming in on the end, but I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. Because truth is, I'm preaching that stuff before. Maybe you can see a reflection in your own life right now in those that walk in darkness. Maybe you've got some sin in your life that's unrepentant. But as I look around this morning, I know that most of you that are here listening, you're saved. At the very least, you've made a profession of faith, and I believe you're saved. But we can sometimes go back and live like we're in darkness even though we have seen the light of Christ. But if you're saved this morning, this is who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be he that cometh to the light. But they approach the Lord, so they come to the light. Listen, those who love the light, those who desire to experience the joy of the Lord, that peace that passeth understanding, they desire to walk in the Spirit, to have fellowship with God, they come to the light. They approach the light. They do not avoid the light. You know said? They approach the light. They do not avoid the light. Listen to this statement. I am concerned for those who arrive at church and spend their whole time in the service counting down the seconds until they finally get to leave. Right? Why? Because those who are saved... Those who have been saved, if they love the light, they come to the light. They want the light. That word there, that we see that word, that, that word of, of coming to the light, it means they're, they're coming to Him, they're, they're approaching Him. James talks about in James 4, 8, he said, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, God is light, these are coming to light. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that, listen to this, diligently seek Him. Those who are coming to God, they're drawing nigh to God. Those are they who are seeking God. If you're always looking for the first path out of church, away from God, get out of here early, get out of, get out of Sunday school, get out of church, get out of the revival meeting, get out of whatever it may be where God is and saying, come to me, Whatever it is God's trying to use to speak to you, if you're always looking for a way to get away from it, why? Why? Why are you doing that? Do you not desire Him? 
Do you not hunger and thirst after righteousness? God rewards those who diligently seek Him. That means He rewards those people who crave and desire Him. Lamentations chapter 3. We like to quote Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 where it says His compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Verse number 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. You know what? We want to talk about verse 22 and 23, Lamentations 3 all the time. And I say, thank God His mercies are new every morning. But verse 24 and 25 says this. He is good to those who seek Him, whose portion He is. You know what I'm afraid of? There's a lot of Christians. Their portion is not what God has for them. What they want, it's not a godly thing. They they want more money. They want a bigger house. They want a better car. They want a better wife. They want a better husband. They want better children. They want more of this or more of that or more of this or more of that. And nowhere in their list of top 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 priorities is I want more of Him. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about saved people. If we're going to come to Him, here's what the Bible said. We must believe that He is. Well, amen. Well, that's salvation, right? Do you believe that He is? With the Caleb preached on the I Am, do you believe that He is? This morning we're talking about the, the living God. Do you believe that He is a living God? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Have you been saved? Have you done that? Well, you say, yes, Brother Paul, I know I've been saved. Amen. Well, what about this? Do you believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? Because if I believe that God is going to reward me if I desire Him and make Him my portion, if I believe that, then that's what I want. I want God to, I want God to be the first thing in my life. I want God to bless my home. I want God to bless my children. I want God to bless our church. I want God to bless the ministry. I want God to help us. And if I want that, you know what I know the Bible says? i got to believe that He is. But I've also got to believe that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm concerned about a man who is meant to be the spiritual leader of his home who has no inclination toward God. Amen. Amen. And look, and I'm not trying to beat you up. I really hope nobody here thinks Brother Paul just likes this, just trying to kick me. That ain't it. Here's the deal. There is a good life and there is a much better life. You want to know what that much better life is for your home? Dads, husbands, whom God has established as the spiritual leaders of our home, a husband who will seek God. That People talk about you and they say, what is brother so-and-so, what's he about? What's he like to do? Well, you know what, honestly, he's kind of weird. He's always doing something with church. I talk to people sometimes, they say, "You're you're going to a what? You're going, you're, going, you're going to revival this week at your church? What kind of, you know, how, how many days? Four nights this week you're going to be in church? And we had a revival Sunday through Wednesday. What kind of crazy people? Don't you got better things to be doing? Absolutely not. You know why? We prioritize the things in our lives that we think really matter. And when we know that God matters and we diligently seek Him, it is not a burden. It is not a burden to come to the light. It is the fulfillment of the things that we want. Amen. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, to a world out there, they think that's crazy. In fact, their that's crazy has seeped so much into good Bible-believing churches now that they're just, they're just canceling on Wednesday night, Sunday night. And not because they have to or not because of, of this or that. And I know there's some churches where they've, they've had to do that with COVID. And different, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who say, it's just not that important to have church three times a week. It's just too much church. Really? That sounds like a darkness, earthly, sensual mindset. So I'm going to be real with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm not getting enough. Amen? It's quieting down here a little bit right now. Now I realize we're right here in, 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 in a tough spot, but there's something I really, 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 really wish that our church could get a hold of, that I could get a hold of in my home. I say I have the light. I say I do. I say I'm a Christian. So, Brother Paul, there's two categories, those that hate the light and those that love the light. Well, I'm the one that loves the light. Amen. I'm glad you say you're saved. But what is your life saying? What does your desire say? 
When it hits 12 o'clock, I hope he gets done quick. I got things to do, places to be. I'm afraid that you have allowed the devil to steal your desire. Now, I'll be honest with you. I have no desire to wear you out. I get up here to preach. I, I didn't set a timer this morning. You know why? Because I forgot. But I usually click that button so I can see. And if I see it hits 35 minutes, I'm like, man, I need to find a way out. I need to start trying to bring it in for a landing because I worry in my mind about wearing you out. You know how many times I've had people in this church come to me and say, don't worry about the time, don't worry about the time, don't worry about the time. But I do because I don't want to wear you out. But you know what I do want? I want your desire to be toward God. Brother Mark Stroud mentioned a message service they were in the other day. And he said the preacher preached for an hour and 50 minutes at a youth meeting and said people were weeping openly and running to the altar. And God did his great. You know, that's a long time. I've never come in here and preached an hour and 50 minutes. Amen. God would have to be doing something pretty big for me to even be able to do that. Right? But sometimes I think we get in here and it's like, all right, let's get in, let's get it done, let's get out. Let's not be that way. We come to the light because we desire the light. We want more. Amen? Amen. We ought not come in with the, with the I can't wait to get out. I don't know, this is not prison. This is the dinner table. Church is for you. Church is not a place for you to come and, and, and do your work for the Lord this week and then go about your life. It is where you come to the table, you receive from God because you desire Him. That's what church is. Amen. It is not so you can have your name checked on a box for the week. It is so you can get fed. So when you go out there, back out into a dark world that is going to try and attack you, they're going to persecute you, they're going to hate you if you stand for the light, that you can feel strength. That you can handle that. Why? Because we come to the light. We approach the Lord and we believe that He will reward those who diligently, desiring Him, wanting Him, seek Him. Amen. We see their approval says this, that His deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. This morning, as I prayed before uh, up there in my office, after Sunday school hour, I got down in my office and was praying, just asking God, I said, God, fill me with your spirit and pour me out, God, that you might be seen, because here is my desire. My desire is for my works to be approved by God. If I come in here and I stand up and I preach, and everybody goes home and they say, well, Brother Paul laid an egg this morning. But God in heaven looks down and says, you did what I wanted. Then I'm happy. Or at least I've got to be. I'm supposed to be. Why? Why do I come to the light? That my deeds may be seen, made manifest, shown, and revealed. Why? To prove that they are wrought in God. Why don't people want to come before God? Why don't they want to come to church? Well, nobody likes being preached to. Not according to this. According to this, the people who love the light come so that the light will show them if their works are wrought in God. The prayer of David, Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any Wicked way in me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What's that? Well, I was lost, but now I'm found. There was a time when I was a child of darkness, but now I'm not. I've been saved. I'm a child of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. How do we do that? By coming to the light. It's made manifest and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You know what the Bible says about His Word? We often quote it when we have Bible school. We do the pledge to the Bible. His Word is a lamp and a light. A, light unto my, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Why? Well, thy words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. His word, that's Jesus, by the way, is the light that shows us what to do and what not to do. I'm walking around in the dark. I don't see that pit hole right there that I'm about to step in and break my ankle. But I've got a light shining 
I can see it, and I can step away. I don't see the snake hiding, right? I don't see the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. But if the light is on, I can see it. I can see the danger. I can see my path. I can see the things I need to do. I can see the things I don't need to do. And that is why I come to the light. Here's a problem. Everybody here who says you're saved, I'm glad you're saved. And I mean that. Are you walking in light? As John said in 1 John chapter 1. Are you walking in the light? Paul called them those things that are done in the darkness. He called them the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, I'll tell you before. Those things, the evil they're doing, it's worthless. It's unfruitful. That way you're living your life, the things you're just doing week to week, living for you, what are you accomplishing? Nothing. But if you would just allow the light of God to shine on your life, you could instead see the reward of Him who rewards them who diligently seek Him. There are two categories humanity, those who hate the light and those who love the light. The invitation today consists of two questions. First, which category, to which category do you belong? This morning, every man, every woman right here looking at me, almost done, which category do you belong in? Honestly, have you been saved? Don't be surprised when sinners sin. All they're in is darkness. Even today, still it said, even yet, still in darkness. That's what they're in. Are, are you saved? That's an honest question. I'll be honest, since I've been saved, I've had to ask myself that question. Have you? you ever asked yourself that? Not, not in, I'm not trying to, trying to be faithless or doubt God, not that, but just like, you know what, Lord, it's pretty serious. Like, am I sure? And the Lord has confirmed for me in my heart, yes. My spirit, His spirit, his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm the Son of God. He speaks to me. He, yes, you are. I know I'm saved, but I've had to ask myself that question. Have you? Well, I made a profession when I was five, and, and I've always said I'm saved, so, well, okay, good, and I hope that you are. But it, it don't hurt. It's not going to hurt even a Christian to say, am I sure? There's no harm. So ask yourself that question. Which category do you belong to? Have you been saved? If everything in your life says no, everything, and there is no testimony of the Spirit of God in your life, you need to ask that question pretty seriously. If you wonder why every decision you make goes toward darkness and never toward light, why you can just walk in sin and walk in sin and walk in sin and you never feel the Holy Spirit saying, what's wrong with you? You're, you, you live in, 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 in the pleasing of your flesh, fornication, whatever you want to look at, you look at, whatever you want to do, you do, whatever you want to go, you go, and you, don't feel, and you come in here and say, I don't, I don't care what you think about me. Well, amen, it doesn't matter what I think about you, but I'll tell you what does matter. Are you saved? Is there light in you? It's an important question. Can we all agree it's an important question? In fact, I'd say it's the most important question. It's the point of the whole thing. You must be born again. Believe and live. Or are you a part of the light? And if you are a part of the light, amen. That's the first question. Which category do you belong to? The second question is this. If you know which category, well, let me say this. If you don't believe that you are saved, or let me say this, if you're not sure there, you need to be on this altar. And I mean, you need to be on it now. If you've been saved and you know, well, here's the second question. Will you come to the light? If you're here this morning and say, Brother Paul, I know I've been saved and I know I'm saved. Well, here, here's a question you need to consider. Are you living in the light? Are you dwelling in Christ? Are you walking in the Spirit? Or have you allowed the darkness of this world to draw your eyes to pull you toward it once more? Are you seeking God? Are you seeking Him? If not, the invitation is for you right now. Miss Brandy, would you mind coming on to the piano for me? The invitation is for you right now. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
or by telling a friend. Thank you again and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.